0: Good morning, church. Welcome to The Well. My name is Jezekiel Vitalzi. I'm so excited to be back here, and, you know, especially for our new series about the Ten Commandments. Uh, but before I get into that, if you're new with us today, you're our guest. And we're so glad that you're here, especially considering all the options that are out there, given that most of church is online, or at least it should be online. Uh, so please, if you're new to us, let us know that you're here by texting the word WELCOME to 480 480 Five three zero seven two three four, and from there you'll get more info about the well and all the awesome things that we're up to these days but for the rest of you hey it's so good to see you again oh man so much has changed since the last time I saw you I am officially fully vaccinated let's go I know a lot of you were just dancing with me others were just jealous that you couldn't be dancing with me it's okay. I still love you. You shouldn't be jealous. It's against the Ten Commandments. Read your Bible. Anyway, um, but yeah, I know I'm so excited about that. It just feels like, you know, like a weight has been lifted, and uh, even more so, I'm excited to see you all in person. I'm excited to preach in person. I'm excited to finally get back to where we were uh, back when my wife were with the well, uh, in, back in 2019, 2020, when we were, uh, you know, in, in, in that Hancock Elementary School gym, just making... Making spiritual stuff happen, and, and you know, I look forward to the day when we can get back to that. Um, and I look forward to the day where I can hug you all. Remember hugs? Remember friendship? Anyway, for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, we are currently in our third week, third week of this new series about the Ten Commandments. And in the last few weeks, we we've had Pastor Ryan introduce, you know, the series as well as uh, talk about the very first commandment: "You shall have no other gods before me." And then this past week, we had Pastor Aaron, you know, follow it up with, um, with the commandment, the second commandment specifically, you shall not make yourself an idol. So today, I'm here to talk about the third commandment, which is, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. And let me just say, I'll be honest, can I be honest, even in my very conservative Southern Baptist upbringing, I've always struggled with this particular commandment. I have. And, you know, I want to be really honest about that. You know, I think that a lot of times when we're following these rules and we're not sure if we understand them or not, you know, we do so in a variety of ways. You know, sometimes we just hit the I believe button and be like, you know what? It doesn't need to make sense to me. I'm just going to do it anyways, which works for a lot of people. It works for a lot of people I know, even right now. Um, there is a lot of us who like, you know, we, 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 have doubts, we have questions, but then we feel kind of guilty or perhaps even like we're committing some kind of betrayal just for having that doubt. And, uh, and you know, that's, that's pretty common. And maybe because you have those doubts, you decide to not be open about them. And again, you, you halfway hit the, I believe button, but really you're kind of like, I don't know what this is about, or you're just in full rebellion of it, you know? I'm sure there are other options but those are the three that come to mind. And I remember even the the concept of the 10 commandments, you know, being introduced to me was like a really important time in my life. I remember I was like I was really young. Um uh, you know, I was like probably around 5 years old and I remember I was playing with my older brother Calvin and You know, I I, I don't know, I I don't remember exactly the details, and and honestly, a lot of what I'm about to tell you is probably, you know, uh, more or less embellished, but it's okay, because this is a sermon, and you're allowed to do that. But, yeah, no, I remember he caught me in some kind of lie, and immediately he was like, oh my gosh, Jezikio, you you just broke one of the Ten Commandments, and I was just like, what? What do you mean no no it's just like a simple lie obviously i wasn't as casual i was five but i was like oh what do you mean like you know sort of thing as the way five-year-olds do and he my brother was just like you you've never heard of the ten commandments it's like the, it's like the really important like rules in the bible and i'm like i'm five years old i don't know any of this stuff why would i know that and he he's just like, well, I got to teach them to you. So he, you know, he was just like, yeah, like, uh, let me, let me tell you the, 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 the rules of the 10 commandments, because if you break the 10 commandments, you might go to hell. And immediately I was like, okay, whatever, whatever it is you're about to say, I'm going to listen. I'm going to follow it to a T because I'm not trying to go to hell. You know, that sort of thing. You know, that's really like what a lot of early early life as a Christian is for for some of us, you know, we're just trying to avoid going to hell because we're so scared of it. And, you know, I remember, you know, I was asking, well, what are the Ten Commandments? Like, what exactly are they? And, you know, my my brother, he was not that much older than me. He was like probably seven or eight years old. He uh, he tried to recall it from memory. And I love that he recalled it from memory because you could tell like, you know, the way he was ordering it was essentially like, you know, whatever his priorities were at the time. So obviously he was just kind of like, okay, Jezekiel, commandment number one, don't murder. Killing people is bad. To which I was like, oh yeah, I knew that. You know, I you know I've seen The Lion King. I know you're not supposed to kill people. All right, yeah, for sure. I, I can definitely refrain from doing that. And he's like, okay, well number two, number two is don't worship any other gods. And I was just like, what other gods? Are there other gods to worship? I don't. Okay, that's easy. I can do that one. Okay, keep going, keep going. And he was just like, okay, number three, don't have idols. And as a five-year-old, I'm like, what are idols? I don't, what is that? And he's like, oh, you know, like, you know, it's like, it's like the people who like worship the statues. And I was like, what? Why would you worship a statue? Okay, that's easy. I can do that. Keep going. And he's like, that the fourth one, do not steal. And I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's bad. I know it's bad. I mean, I've done it, but like, I know, I, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't do that. Okay, okay. And he's like, Commandment number five, you got to go to church. I was like, Oh, really? Is that really a commandment? He's like, Yeah, you know, it's called like the Sabbath or something like that. But you got to, you all, you got to always go to church. And I was like, Man, no wonder mom and dad are always so stressed out on Sunday mornings trying to get us to church. They're like, the stakes are so high. And then he's like, Number six, don't lie. And I was just like, Wait, what kind of lie? He's like, No, don't lie ever. And I was like, Well, like. What if, like, mom asked me if, like, we're having a birthday party for her, and, you know, I got a lie. And he's like, no, no lying whatsoever. And I was like, okay, seems tough, but fair. Okay, whatever. What's the next one? And he says, commandment number seven, you got to follow your parents no matter what. And I was just like, no matter what? And he's like, yeah, you got to you got to, like, listen to what they say no matter what. And I was just like, wow, I mean... Guess that kind of makes sense. I don't, I, you know, it seems like that and murder. They don't really seem like they should be part of the same rule set. But okay, yeah, no, I can do that. I, you know, I love mom and dad. We can, we can, we can make that happen. And then he was like number eight, and I remember this. Like this is actually like a really funny part of of the conversation. He said, "Don't commit adultery." And I was just like, "What? Like, <laughs> what is that even?" And I don't remember exactly what he said, but I remember like, looking back on it, I remember it was kind of funny. And he said something like, yeah, it's like when you're married and you kiss other married people. You kiss other people even though you're married and you're only supposed to kiss the person you're marrying. And I was just like, whoa, people do that? That is like, oh man, that is some juicy stuff. I don't know. Anyway, I can do that. No problem. What's the next one? And he's like, well, commandment number nine is don't be jealous of other people. And I was just like, huh. again, like, Makes sense. Not sure why it's in the same list as murder, but okay, yeah, I can do that. I will try at least. And then he goes to commandment number 10. I was like, so what's number 10? And he's just like, oh, he's like, I don't I don't remember. <laughs> he like couldn't remember. And so he like pulls out his little starter Bible or whatever. He like flips, he like, you know, flips to it. He can't really find it. So like he goes to the back. There's like a table of contents and he reads like, oh, the 10 commandments. Okay, so he like looks up the 10 commandments and he's just like, oh, uh, oh, don't take God's name in vain. She's like, what? He's like, yeah, you're not supposed to say God's name. He's like, you just said it. No, 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 like you're not like supposed to say it in vain. What, what do you, what what does that mean? Like, why, why, what, what is, what is that? And he's just like, you know, I don't really know. Uh, It's like, you know when, like, you're at school and, like, your friend, like, stubs his toe and, like, says, like, oh, my God. And I was just like, yeah. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. Like, that's, like, a really bad thing to do. And I was just like, are you sure? I mean, I know Mom and Dad are always harping on us, like, to not say that. But, like, what do you mean by that? Like, what is, what, why, why, why can't we say that? He's like, because, you know, it's just God told us we weren't supposed to. So we just don't. And it's bad if you do. And again, if you do it, you're gonna go to hell. So don't do it, okay? Whoa. (laughs) And honestly, that more, obviously I've added things for comedic effect, but like that was more or less how the conversation went. And really for the rest of my days, as like an evangelical christian that was the general vibe that i got about christianity you know god was just out here making all these arbitrary rules about what <laughs> we could do what we couldn't do what we could say what we couldn't say and often at least this is how it felt for me you know or as 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 a younger person it often was at the expense of our fun it was often at the expense of our freedom Our pleasure just like if you wanted to do it you could like almost set your watch to the fact that God had something to say about it in the Bible and you're just like why no you sure that's kind of what my experience was and for most of my life you know I tolerated it you know I thought to myself you know these rules are probably somehow good for me anyway and you know God knows best so I'm just gonna blindly follow the rules even though they don't make sense to me again it's like that I believe button right Which seems sensible until it's not. And it's especially not when it starts manifesting itself in harmful ways, you know. And as I really embraced, you know, my blind belief, I became very legalistic. I know I've said that in other sermons and I'll say it in other sermons after this because it's true. And I want people to know that it's true. Um, I was a very... I was a jerk. I was someone that just like was 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 looking for any way to utilize the Bible uh, for any bit of moral superiority, you know. Um, And again, legalism is a very tasty poison, very, very tasty. And, you know, I would use the Bible as a rule book, you know, that was essentially like a hammer, and I would just hammer people with it, and I used it to marginalize gay people and to put women down and to exert, like, any moral superiority I could, however I could. And when people pushed back, I always used to say, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but, you know, that's what the Bible says, and the Bible is the truth, so you can't fight with truth, huh? Oof. Except it isn't the truth. And even more true, the truth doesn't really matter unless it has love. And if that's the only lesson you take away from today's sermon, that's that's fine by me. You know, it's an important lesson to learn. I hope unlike me, you don't learn it too late in life. Not that I'm learning it too late in life, I'm thirty-three, but still, you know, I could have learned it earlier. And, you know, on the flip side of things you know my life progressed on I, I learned to see the error of my ways but then I also like swung super hard in the opposite direction and I remember you know uh, you know being a, a in my mid 20s and uh, I was you know very convinced that you know because I was going through my first real faith crisis and I was very convinced you know what it's all just a lie And I want to live in serious, serious rebellion (laughs) of the laws of the Bible, Uh, you know, because hedonism is just my way of saying I wasted too much time being a conservative jerk or a Christian idiot, you know, one of the one, 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 probably both. And you know, it also finally felt like an opportunity for me to like break all the rules that I've been blindly following my whole life. I feel like I needed to kind of have my prodigal son sort of era of life, and you know, a lot of the experience was very liberating. I'll be honest; it was, it felt like, it felt freeing to finally like you know not uh, live with the stress of following the Bible to a T. Um, But you know. If I'm being really honest with you as well, it, you know, being away from God and really removing myself from um, from the experience of, of living with God and sharing life with God and being in a relationship with God. Um, I don't want to sound like some kind of youth pastor, but honestly, it was very, very empty for me. It was very, very lonely for me. And despite being free of the chains of legalism and judgment, I replaced them with other chains, you know, the chains of vanity, the chains of materialism, the chains of the flesh and all of the glamorous poisons that our world invites us to drink. And yeah, I I can't say this enough. It was one of the loneliest, saddest times of my life. Um, But all that to say, I needed some time to be a prodigal son, and in all honesty, I I really think we all kind of do. Um, And when I came back to God, I was able to do so in a healthier way. You know, it didn't have to be all or nothing. It didn't have to be the Bible was completely, fundamentally true in a literal sense to me, or it was useless. (laughs) You know, it didn't have to be that binary. Um, I was able to come to a healthier place. I was able to not just view the Bible as a book of arbitrary rules anymore, um, but more so of a living, breathing text that will give you infinite glimpses into the face of God. And the more I study the Bible, the more I realize that there is nothing arbitrary about it. We might think that these rules are arbitrary. Um, But that's just because we don't always understand it, which is fair. It's fair because the Bible, at least at a face value, is confusing. The Bible requires a high level of exposition in order for us to see it for what it actually is. And more specifically, the Ten Commandments aren't just a series of don't do this or you'll go to hell type stuff. It's not. there's, there's so much more there. It's so much more than that. They're not meant to hold you back. They're meant to liberate you. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let me give you the quick overview. You know, I want to do a really quick recap of the Ten Commandments just so that we're all on the same page. And then I'm going to give you some fast, historical, scholarly facts about the Ten Commandments, which, you know, will hopefully serve as, like, good exegesis for us so that we can really consume the text in, in a healthy way um, and in a way that really kind of illuminates it all for us. And we'll specifically, you know, talk about the Third Commandment today, you know, and the why behind it. I'm sure some of you might still be th- asking, you know, Jezekiel, like, why, why, why the Third Commandment? You know, why can't we say, oh, my God? Well, actually... Spoiler alert, you can. You can say, oh my God. Um, But uh, just make sure that your heart is in the right place when you say it. And we'll talk about that in a second. And then I'll close with some concluding thoughts and some questions that I think you should mull over this week as we continue on in our series of learning about these other commandments. So First things first, um, I want to go ahead, just like in past weeks, you know, just give us a quick recap of the Ten Commandments. I'm sure Ryan is going to post them on the screen right now as I read them. Here are the Ten Commandments. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make for yourself a graven image. Which... And if you haven't seen Pastor Aaron's uh, sermon about that from last week, oh man, just stop, stop right now. Just, just go watch it real quick. You can come back to my video, no problem. Number three, you shall not, ta- you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Number four, the Sabbath day. Oh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And which, by the way, just, uh, just uh, as a quick aside, you know, the first four commandments you'll notice are about God. Right? These are called the vertical commandments, you know, the commandments from humans to God, the vertical commandments. And the remaining six commandments are horizontal commandments, a.k.a. human to human, you know, social matters, things like that. And you'll see them right here. Number five, honor your mother and father. Number six, you shall not commit murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And then number 10, you shall not covet thy neighbor's house or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Okay? We're on the same page. Those are the commandments. We will be specifically talking about number three today. Um, But let me give you some fast facts about, you know, what essentially is the history and the context surrounding these particular set of rules or commandments rather. So let's get some exegesis up in here, so that we can, you know, hopefully illuminate this, uh, this, uh, um, these, these, these commandments in a, in a meaningful way, in a way that, you know, we'll will let you know that these are about liberation; they aren't about, you know, blind rule following. And there's quite a few things that need to be said about it. So, like, forgive me if, uh, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I go a little bit too fast. If you have any quick questions, you know, definitely type those in the chat because, you know, I want I want this to be an engaging experience for you all. Uh, so, first thing I want to talk about is, as you can see, if you go back and you read through Exodus 20, um, and uh, you, you, you go through the, the, the commandments and how they're presented in Exodus, you'll see that they're given to us in narrative form, and that's not on accident, all right? Um, and that also extends through Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And something that we need to remember, or really, if you have, you didn't know this, something that we need to, uh, to know about these particular, uh, these particular commandments is they're given to us in narrative form because the narrative is just as important as the commandment itself, all right? It, these are not just laws that are just like numbered. Hey, here you go. Here's 10, follow it, don't ask any questions. No, it's part of a narrative. You know, so it's important for us to read the scripture and to read the narratives that surround these texts, which, you know, we've been doing in, the, in, in this series. And, you know, if you need a refresher, you know, pause this video right now or pause this sermon right now and go ahead and give yourself a quick refresher. These are all narratives, and that's important. The narrative that is prevalent in these law books is a story of God's deliverance of his people. All right? That's the context and the theological framework for the Ten Commandments. And in fact, Pastor Ryan even talks about specifically in part one. So if you haven't seen that, definitely go back and check that out. Something else that Pastor Ryan talks about, which I want to expand a little bit more on, is that the laws that we see in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments and everything else we see otherwise, um, these are very similar to the ancient laws found in the Code of Hammurabi. And Hammurabi, he was a Babylonian king. He had a code that had about 300 laws. And when you read those laws, you'd be like, "Oh, the, the Ten Commandments and the laws, you know, uh, that surround um, essentially, you know, the the Old Testament times. Like, they're they're all very similar. So they might seem arbitrary, but they're not. All right." In fact, just the bottom line here is that the story of the Israelites receiving commandments from their God isn't something new or special. All right. This is something that is happening. This is something that is happening that happens in other religions, other cultures of that particular time Um, and other religions and other cultures. They're also in their text expressing similar narratives. And so. Here's what that tells us. What that tells us is that, you know, again, a lot of people view the Ten Commandments or the rules in the Old Testament as these arbitrary things. They're not. There's a historical context to them. And it's surrounded within this time period. It's surrounded within the culture in which all this is coming about. All right. These aren't laws that we should simply take at face value. These are laws that we should try to understand from the perspective of when they were written for who they were written for. And what's also interesting about that is that, you know, church history shows us that these laws were not necessarily timeless, and, and they were very much based on culture or context of the times. I, I, I know that a lot of us think that, you know, the Bible is like this ironclad thing that's supposed to be timeless, that's supposed to be meant for all, all time, and in a way it is. But at face value, it is not, you know. Which is why, uh, you know, we, we, we as, as, as contemporary Christians or as contemporary believers must do the work of meditating on why it is that we couldn't eat shellfish at some point, or why it is that we couldn't, you know, wear clothes with mismatching fabrics, you know. That's not because God changed his mind at some point. It's because there was a context, there was a historical context of these, and that historical context might not be really all that all that important to us now. They might actually be obsolete, but there's still a truth there. There's still a lesson that we need to find buried within these narratives. And I think that the same is true for the Ten Commandments. Um, and really, you know... We we can even see this just with like the thou shalt not covet. You know, the idea of, of covetousness is probably different back then than it is now. You know, and also, you know, we have we, we it, that all should also like you know bring about questions like what does it even mean to covet? You know, where does admiring end and coveting begins? You know? The this question has been asked for centuries in churches and clergy, they've evolved over time with what that means. And so the point that I'm trying to make is that it's not poor theology or outright defiant to creatively engage with the Ten Commandments. It's not. Um, in fact, churches have done that throughout history. This, this concept of fundamentalism, you know, like following the Bible word for word literally, that is a very modern idea. It's not something that early Christians did. It's not something that even second, third century Christians did. Um, so that's something that we should, we should remember. Ooh, ooh. Here is a really fun fact. So the word Torah, you know, kind of like the name of the Hebrew Bible or at least what we refer to uh, the Hebrew Bible as the Torah. It's a Hebrew word and it's often, um, you know, interpreted as law. But that's actually like a loose definition, not a practical definition. A more practical definition of Torah is instruction or direction. And this is important because it tells us as contemporary readers that the 10 commandments isn't necessarily supposed to be used as legal material. Again, it's not supposed to be used at, it's not supposed to be used, you know, in a legalistic sort of way. It's not supposed to be used in a word perfect, you know, literalist kind of way. And this is why and we see this because Judaism, they have a regular practice called the I'm going to mispronounce it, the Halal Shik tradition. It's spelled H-A-L-L-A-C-H-I-C. Tradition. Halal Shik. I don't know. If you're Jewish, please correct me in the chat. Um, and this is the, uh, the practice where one meditates on the law and really tries to interpret its meaning in the present, in a personal way. This practice is one of discussion, debate, and acknowledges that there's nothing obvious about what the text has to say, or specifically what the law has to say. And, you know, I like to think that the well does a pretty good job of that th- about that too, and as, as, as making that a similar practice where we are making meaning of our Christian text in a way where we respect it, and 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 acknowledge that there's nothing obvious about the New Testament. There's nothing obvious about what's going on there. We are in a constant state of renegotiating a relationship with 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 the Bible. We're in a constant state of asking ourselves, well what is, you know, one of the infinite meanings that this text is going to bring about today based off of our life experience, based off of, you know, whatever it is God is calling us to to say today. So to sum up everything, I know that was a lot, so let me sum up everything. You know, the Ten Commandments, they're not meant to be consumed as legal material, like I said, but more so as narratives that offer direction, instruction, and we don't need to embrace them as literalist material, kind of like how we view like, the Constitution or how we view you know, the Boy Scouts handbook, but more so as texts that glean wisdom. This is wisdom literature. This is wisdom words, you know, and as we read this and we really meditate on the concepts, we get glimpses of the face of God. We get glimpses of our own humanity within this text. And that's why this text is so important and that's why this text like can be illuminated if we really understand how to use it. But when we view the text as just, oh, that just seems like an arbitrary rule, it's because we don't understand it. So with that being said, let's now dig in to commandment number three. Um, And let's get practical with it. You know, I want to really ask the question, why shouldn't we take the Lord's name in vain? I mean, again, like even just saying it out loud just now, that seems arbitrary. It seems arbitrary honestly, kind of egomaniacal, you know, to think like, oh, I'm God, don't say my name, I get offended, I get mad, you know, um, it seems a, like like a bit of vanity, if I'm being honest, you know, why can't we say his name without him getting all hot and bothered, like, what is that even about? But again, that's me being like an arrogant human who, uh, you know, isn't <laughs> isn't really seeing the bigger picture, so perhaps I should broaden my scope and really try to understand uh, the third commandment the way God understands it, or the way at least, you know, um, at least try to meditate on it in a way that really tries to break out of my very critical, very closed-minded way of looking at this particular text. Um, So, because I think that if we can agree, if we can all agree that the third commandment isn't just a rule, but it's something meant to liberate us, I think that puts us in a better situation and in a better position where we can gain wisdom from it. And here's something else about, you know, this particular commandment. We often treat the third commandment in the same way we treat profanity, right? And I think you all know what I mean. Like, you know, when someone says, oh my God, it's kind of like they're going around saying, what the... that you thought I was going to say the F word at church, weren't you? I bet some of you got real nervous just now. No, I'm not going to do it. Even though I should be allowed to, you know, I, the, the F word is not really a sin, but that's like a sermon topic for like a whole nother week. Not right now. I don't want to, I don't want to get off topic, but just so but just so you know, saying, oh my God, isn't a sin, at least not in, in the way most people say it, you know, but like in general saying, oh my God is pretty harmless. Kind of like saying the F-word is pretty harmless, but that all depends. Anyways, so to to really sum up the the tangent I just went on, using the Lord's name in vain is not about controlling or censoring people's language. It's not about an all-powerful God who's just a little bit too sensitive. It's not about that. This is a matter of the human heart. And as Christians, when we invoke the name of God, it should be for reasons that are Honest, true, and loving, because God is the epitome of truth, honesty, and love. But how often, and be honest with yourself about this, how often are Christians, myself included, yourself included, are guilty of using the name of the Lord as a veneer for their dishonest agenda? How often do we do that? I swear on the Bible and on God that I am telling the truth, said O.J. Simpson. Have you ever heard of the church, Westboro Baptist Church? I don't even know if I should call them a church, but have you ever heard of them? You know what their favorite sign is to make? Their favorite sign is to make when they go picketing famous people's funerals. they always put up a sign that says, God hates fags. I felt gross just saying that, by the way. Um, are there any history fans out there in, in the congregation today? Have you ever heard of Manifest Destiny? In which, you know, colonial Americans stole land from Native people because they said that God wanted them to have it? Oh, here, actually, here's a more practical example for those of you who aren't history fans or for those of you who don't know who O.J. Simpson is. Let me do a quick impression of me breaking up with my 16-year-old girlfriend on the phone. Hey, Christina. Hey, what's up? Hey, so I love you and all, but I just, I really feel like God wants me to date him for a while. And there just isn't any room for you. Which, you know, I wish I didn't have to break up with you, but I think God wants me to. And I want to be loyal to him. So, I guess we're breaking up, but I don't want to. I think it's what God wants me to do. Okay, I'll talk to you at school. Bye. I'm ashamed to say that that is a true story. I swear to God. But, man, (laughs) let me just say this. I just had a thought, like, if God were to hear me breaking up with my 16 year girlfriend in that way, like, you know, what he was th- what he was thinking, you know, as, as I'm sure he was just like, whoa, bro, do not use my name ever again like that. Like, also, you're a coward. <laughs> Break up with her because you want to date someone else and let her know that and uh, be honest about it. I'm sorry, because that's really why you broke up with her. Anyway, I digress. It's not about the words. It's not. It's about the heart. Jesus says it best in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, when he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? We owe more to God than our vain hypocrisy. He gave us the Ten Commandments, not to bind us with laws we don't understand, but to liberate us and shape us into a new kind of human and declare that he is a different kind of God. That's the point. And the Ten Commandments are a declaration. They're a declaration. They're more than just a set of rules. You know, they're a declaration of God saying, I am your liberator, I and no other, and I insist that you see me as utterly unlike The many gods of other tribes and other nations, you know, you cannot carve a statue of me to be carried about as a sign of your protection. You cannot cheapen my name by using it to swear dishonest oaths or invoke power. I will not be domesticated or harnessed in such a way, for I am God and you are my people. When we revere God in a way that's true and use his name only in ways that express sincerely his power and love, he is honored by that. But when we use it with hypocrisy, deceit, and as a facade for our ulterior motives, God has every reason to say, take my name out of your mouth. I'll conclude with this, and uh, you know, here's a few questions that I really think that we should all meditate on in, this, in the coming weeks. Um, and I think that these questions will especially help us to understand, or at least try to cultivate an understanding of how we can use the Ten Commandments to feel liberated in 2021. So one question I want to ask, I want to pose to you all, and I want you to think about this this week is, in what ways do we domesticate? Or harness God. When we speak of God, are our intentions actually good? Are our intentions actually true? I used to think so, but I look back on myself and I, and I honestly think no. A lot of that was just me using God as an escape. God was, in, it was escapism to me back then. What are some commandments that we're still un- we're unsure about? You know, and again, I want us to be honest about that. You know, what, what are some commandments that we still view as arbitrary? And if we feel that way, you know, how can we become more sure about them? How can we learn more about them? One way to do it is obviously re-watching sermons one, one and two, hopefully watching this one, um, you know, and watching the rest of them so that we can really come to an understanding, at least a healthy understanding about what these things are. Um, but also, uh, you know, I highly recommend you do your own research. There's so many good um, books and articles, even podcasts about their, about about this particular topic right now. I know Peter Enns and Jared Bias have done an episode on this. I know Walter Brueggemann, which is, a, you know, probably the preeminent scholar on the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, which is why, you know, Pastor Aaron and Pastor Ryan have both referenced, uh, you know, uh, the work of Walter Brueggemann within their, their sermons. I would have, but it just felt like cheap if I did. Um, but there are others, and I, and I and I and I trust that you'll do your own research as well. Additionally, what are some commandments that you struggle with? What are commandments that we feel like uh, society struggles with, and how do we make meaning of that struggle? The good news is that the Ten Commandments isn't some kind of perpetual morality test that we either pass or fail on a daily basis. That's not what they are. That's what I used to think that they were, though. But really. The Ten Commandments are the God-ordained keys to an existence that is rich, true, meaningful, and in love. Jesus referred to this as an eternal life. I'm sure you're all familiar with that idea. And when you break the Ten Commandments, which I'm sure you will, we all do, uh, probably pretty often, to be honest, know that god isn't somewhere above looking down on you thinking how dare you disrespect and dishonor me you are not a real christian that's not what god's doing in fact when we break the ten commandments which we will more than likely god isn't looking down from above us he's sitting right next to us he's sitting right next to us and he's kindly whispering you are my child You belong to me, and I belong to you. Be liberated. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, that is our... Wow, you know, that is our wish, our sincere wish. It's a dangerous one. But Lord, liberate us. Help us to understand what you're trying to say and help us live that out passionately and with love. May we never look at your directives or your words as, as, as meaningless, arbitrary rules, Lord. But may we view them as the keys to living out our best days. We pray all this in your name. Amen.